For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. All right, everybody, here we go. My name is Rob Carter, filling in for Colombo and Katie. If you did not get to hear the show yesterday, let me briefly give you a background on myself. Came to Florida in uh, about 2019. Got married, moved to Florida, but I'm from St. Louis, born and raised. Got into the political arena, started observing what was happening. My business, as I explained yesterday, was destroyed. Primarily because of political situations that were not handled properly, in my opinion. When that happened, I started looking at things from a different angle, different light, and said, I want to get involved and make a difference. So luckily, I am married to the greatest woman in the world, left a job that I had for life. I was making a chunk of money. And my wife said, are you happy doing this? And I said, not really, because my business was destroyed. And I was getting paid from a, a billionaire who was paying me out of his pocket, basically to be a kept man. And my wife didn't like it. She said, I don't like this you. I like you to be ambitious. I like you to be the person that I've known since I'm 12 years old. So I made the decision to get into media, observe the political situation. And because I am so connected to people in St. Louis, I was I was raised here. I went to two high schools, went to college here, coached baseball here for a big organization called the St. Louis Gamers. My father is uh, big into AA, so we have tons of friends from all over the state. And I thought, if I'm going to get into politics, I don't want to be, I'm not running for office. It's not my thing. I actually think I can be more important uh, showing people who's who and what's going on in the political arena. So today, I went into, well, I was on Main Street in St. Charles. If you're old St. Charles, if you've ever been there, I love that place, by the way, where the announcement of the Freedom Caucus of Missouri took place. And I'm going to have a couple people that were at that event in studio today because the Freedom Caucus, it, it appears to me, and we're going to get more information on it, is a franchise from Jim Jordan and the Freedom Caucus in D.C. And those initiatives are now coming down to the state level. And as I understand it, 11 states are involved. And these are the real conservatives. Not the ones that come out and tell you everything that you want to hear and then they get caught up in the swamp angle. And, you know, look, being in business since I was a child, I started selling newspaper subscriptions door-to-door when I was 12. I started selling shoes at the mall when I was 15. I got into wholesale when I was 24 years old and started running companies in my late 30s. I know how much money can corrupt anything. The church, government, politics, business, all of it can be corrupted with money. And what I recognize in politicians, the same thing I recognize in business, have you ever been in business with the guy that's a snake the guy that would stab his mother in the heart to take one step up the ladder in business? Why would you think politics would be any different? Why would you think that the people that are in politics would not look at this ultimately as a self-serving agenda for themselves? And if the media gets in bed with those people, 
and doesn't hold them to account, the system never changes. So it takes people that have the means, the courage, if you will, to stand up, get in the middle of things, figure it out, and tell the voters of Missouri and of the country how it all works. And I'm a novice to it. I really am. I don't, I don't necessarily know what's going on just yet. But I get a feel for things very quick. I'm a hard worker. I learn fast. And I want to clean up Missouri. Just one person. I'm not saying I'm doing it all myself. Some of these people that are in the Freedom Caucus, my gut feeling is they're on the right track. They're trying to do the right thing. They want to make a difference. They want to make the state of Missouri a great place to raise a family. They want to make it so small business can prosper and grow. And they're doing it against a very entrenched establishment. That's not just the Democrats. We have a super majority of Republicans in the state of Missouri. And if you haven't noticed yet, we don't get a lot of conservative policies put into place. A lot of talk. A lot of talk. And that's why I like to relate things to business. In business, results are all that matters. You can go to your boss and say, hey, give me a budget, give me a half a million dollars, and I'll get this accomplished. And they'll say, give me your five-year plan, show me how you're going to do it, lay it out on paper for me, walk me through it. And if you should get that half a million dollars, and after year two, you're not on track, you're gone. You can't say, what if? Well, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. It's not how it works. You have to accomplish the goals that you set out to accomplish. Politics is the exact same way, in my opinion. I'm tired of talk. I'm tired of people saying they're going to get things done and they just can't get it done. It's just impossible. Can't get it done. Let me explain to you very quickly how leaders look at these positions, look at these objectives. Leaders inspire, especially in politics, but in business as well, but politics primarily. They inspire the system through the voters to get better. It's called a republic. Representative government. So you have to put a spotlight on your representatives. They have to move in the direction of getting things done, and they have to inspire the citizens to take them there. No politician could go into that nonsense up in Jefferson City or in D.C. and fix it themselves. It's not possible. But what they can do is use the media, use their platform, to explain to Missouri voters why their way of getting things done is best for you and your family. And they have to do that. And very few times do you see people get into the political arena that have leadership ability. You know that you see it out there when you watch it. Look at Governor Parson. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. If I want to snuggle up next to the fire and watch a movie, Mike Parson is my guy. I'm sure he is wonderful. I've met him a couple times. He couldn't be nicer. And it's not that I want mean, ignorant people in office. But what I do want in office are people that have the ability to inspire voters. 
the ability to get the system in order. One of my big issues is elections. If you cannot vote your way out of a corrupt system, then all of the nonsense surrounding it is just noise. I say it over and over on my Sunday night show. And by the way, just a quick shameless plug. I've been doing the Sunday show from 6 to 8 o'clock for over a year now. January 29th, my full-time gig in the radio business begins. From 8 to 10 o'clock on News Talk STL, I'll do a show that is very personal to me, so you'll get to know everything about me, scars and all. Because the more honest I am about who I am and what I've been through in my entire life, the more you'll believe that what I'm trying to do matters. What I'm trying to do is make Missouri better because I understand Missouri. I I go back and forth between Florida and Missouri now. But I couldn't possibly get done in Florida what I can get done in Missouri. I know a lot of people in Missouri. I'm friends with a lot of people. They know who I am. So if I start getting off track, I got a lot of people to keep me on target. I'm one of those guys that gets up in the morning and gets on my knees and prays and says, God, give me the wisdom and the courage to serve your will, to make life better for people, to do the things that I need to do. Just guide me in the right direction. And here I am. Crazy and all, a lot of people in my life think I'm absolutely insane to do what I'm doing to turn down the money that I was making, to turn down the lifestyle that I was making, to go to St. Louis for four to six months, which is what my wife gave me a time frame of, four to six months. That's it. But in four to six months, you got to get your act together. And if this is what you want to do, honey, go for it. I support you 100%. And I said the same thing yesterday. How many of you have a spouse that says, let's take uh, 50 to 100 grand of your own money and invest it in bettering our society Versus taking a lot more money and be on vacation for the rest of your life, which is the position I was in. And I'm no saint. I'm very ambitious. But I do think things can get better. So in studio with me now, listening to all this craziness, is Rep. Justin Sparks. I had him on the show yesterday, and I saw him at the Freedom Caucus. And you are a stud, I got to tell you. You're a stud. Big, strong guy. I didn't want to arm wrestle him when I saw him, and you were in law enforcement, right? <laughs> but I got a good feeling about you right away. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Sparks, by the way, he's on the other microphone. Let me give a sense of what happened this morning uh, before you before we get into uh, uh, our conversation. So the uh, Missouri Freedom Caucus, I guess, was organized by Tim Jones. Tim Jones, uh, who comes on with the Tim Jones and Chris Arp show at 4 o'clock today. So he organized it, used to be the Speaker of the House. I know everybody that listens to this station knows knows Tim. And then we have Senator Rick Bratton. This is the Missouri Freedom Caucus, as I know it. These are 11 guys. I believe we've added five more, if I got my information correct. Rep. Justin Sparks, who's in studio with me now. I'm hoping Ben Keithley is on his way. Senator Jill Carter. Uh, Maisie, I think it is. Maisie or Mazzy? Maisie Christensen. Senator Bill Eigel. He was the last one to speak, and if you know a guy understands the crowd, I was shaking. I was so cold outside, and Bill likes to talk. 
He got up there for about, uh, what, two minutes and said, I see you guys shaking out there. Let's get inside. Whoever put the event together, I recommend next time, if it's 30 degrees outside, bring it inside. That's just my just my two cents. Senator Denny Haskins, or Hoskins, I'm sorry, Rep. Holly Jones, Rep. Ben Keithley, who I earlier mentioned, Senator Andrew Koenig, Senator Nick Schroer, my buddy. I like Nick. Rep. Brian Seitz and um, Senator Bob Onder's not a part of the Freedom Caucus. I think he's emeritus. Emeritus. Very polished when he spoke. You could tell that he's been around the political game for a while. For a while. And my question to you is the Freedom Caucus, what is your sense of your ability to get things done? Because you're going to go up against a machine, yep. and there's a lot of money in Jefferson City, and there's a lot, you, you know, I don't know who said it, but, you know, a lot of people that go up there have great intentions. Yep. They are conservative. They're conservative voters. They get to Jeff City, and the game begins to change because of multiple different reasons. Not all of them are nefarious necessarily, but, you know, it's a, I got to get along. I got to get, you know, if I, if I just do this, I can get this done and my district needs this. So I'm going to play the game this way to get something done. But ultimately all of those connections, at least in my opinion, I could be very curious of yours. It smears the whole pot because you now are making connections with different people and you're serving a different master than the rhetoric that you yes. use to get in office. Is that how you see it? You hit it right on the head. Thank you. you. You mentioned something really uh, smart and very uh, sensitive in what you, in your opening monologue, which I want to give you kudos for. Thank you. You talked about leadership and authenticity and starting your day on your knees. And you're right. A lot of people go up to Washington, D.C. or Jefferson City with good intentions. Um, and some don't, frankly, they don't. And you can spot those people a mile away. But they say, I'm going to go, and immediately the campaign to grab you begins. I know this because I just started. I've been there for one session, started the second uh, last week. And what they try to do is fold you in. They try to become friends with you. And the reason for that is it's a lot harder to tell your friend something they don't want to hear. So when something happens that makes you feel uncomfortable and violates the principles that you ran on, the principles that you pray about, and the principles that make it a swamp, because it is, it's worse than you think. It was worse than I even anticipated. And I really thought it was bad. It's worse. It's extremely powerful. They bring you in and first it's nice. They beat buddy, buddy, throw you a lot of stuff, right? Because it's hard to tell people, uh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't believe in that. In fact, I think it might be evil. <laughs> I think that right. that's actually corrupted and unethical. Okay. And the, the very first exposure I had to this was, so the way I got into it, I was in law enforcement, little quick, 90 seconds. Yeah, give, give, give yeah. a little bit of your background because I'm curious myself. I was in law enforcement for 15 years. I became a sergeant. I spent all my time in special operations on, on SWAT. And then I ended on I ended my career on the uh, U.S. Marshal Task Force here in St. Louis. So my job was to guide men through the door. And, you know, if you've ever been on the other side of the door and had to kick the door in going after a guy, a cartel member with an SKS who says he's not going back to prison, you understand what that feels like inside here. So when I went to Jefferson City and I'm interacting with some of these people and they're and they're gross, not everybody, but you feel like you're alone. That's also part of the strategy. Isolate you. Huh? And I, I'm like, OK, I 
I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Going through a door is a lot harder than going through this. And I just don't care. If I spend only two years up here, it's the only two years because they're going to, because they gave you the warnings. You know, they're going to primary you. They're going to spend money against you. If you say anything against these people, trust me, the institution is going to crush you and spit you out. And I said, well, you don't make any money and it's not really fun anyway. If I can't do anything and get anything accomplished while I'm here, why am I here? Right. And the, they, they didn't know how to take that. Right. Because they're like, you know, I came from SWAT and we, we talk completely different there. It's extremely upfront. Right. It's like there's no uh-huh. fluffy. Well, politicians are all polished. They're all like real nice and they're nice to your face while they're stabbing you in the back. And I don't know how to take that. I don't know how to do passive aggressive at all. So I'm just like, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. Does anybody else want to play? You know, and they were like, OK, just get this guy to. Go away. Uh-huh. Just chill out, man. Just chill. It'll be fine. You know, you'll get some good stuff done. You got to go along, though, man. You got to be a team player. And what they do is they want you to support certain people for leadership, right? Floor majority leader. And then the floor majority leader becomes the speaker of the house and the floor whip and this and that. And they come and they meet with you. And so I'm in law enforcement. I, I literally wake up one day. I feel like the Lord put it on my heart to run for office. It's bizarre. It's insane. I know what this sounds like. It's hokey. I, I totally get it, guys. Been there. It wasn't an audible voice. It was real. And I look, <laughs> Mandy wakes up and I say, uh, my wife, and I say, Mandy, I think I'm going to run for office. And she goes, oh, really? Because it was never, never even in the spectrum. I'm right in the middle of my career, right in the middle of what I've got going on. I don't have my pension yet, you know, it's so I'm walking away from all of it and I'm making a good living. I've got federal money. I've got county money, right? It's, it's I'm fine. I kind of made it as a public servant. You're, you're doing okay. And I got six kids, six, you know, mouths to feed. So, but when he calls you and you know this because you've experienced it and you're willing, the doors will open that no man can shut. And that's exactly what happened. So I made the decision. I had peace in my heart after some very obvious doors opening and lights going off and I find myself in Jefferson City after winning the general election. But to get there, I had politicians from all over the state come visit me. And little little me, I'm nothing, in St. Louis. And checks start to slide across the table. Oh, yeah. Right? And I'm like, what in the world is this? This is not something I'm used to. And they're telling me, well, I'm, you know, I'm running for this or I'm running for that to be in leadership in the house that you're joining. And I want your support. They said, why, why are you giving me money? And they're like, well, I, I want to help you out. I'm like, so you're kind of, I feel like I'm being bribed. Yeah, and yeah. Like, no, no, no. It's completely legal. But, uh, that was the beginning of my eyes opening. Don't go anywhere. Can you stick around for another segment? Yeah. I want to keep you as long as I can because I got a lot of questions for you. I got a good sense about you. You got a very nice face. I mean, you look like a nice person. I'm a nice person until I'm not. And then the problem is exactly what you described. When people start to be nice to you and they're friendly to your face, your natural instinct is to be nice to them back. It's the same way in business. It's the guys that cuddle up to you because you're in power. Like if you have a position of power in business, all the people around you want to be your buddy, buddy. And a lot of times they're sticking the knife in your back because they've got an agenda that is not yours. Stick around, everybody. Justin Sparks with us. We're going to continue this conversation when we get back on News Talk STL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, my name is Rob Carter, filling in for Katie and Colombo. I've got Justin Sparks in studio. We're talking about the Freedom Caucus here in Missouri. And I got a couple of questions for you. There's some things that went down today that I don't know if you're at liberty to talk about, but just give your, you know, deflect if you need to, as politicians <laughs> often do. So Bob Onder, um, he gave up and I thought he was very, he gave, uh, very well spoken in front of uh, an audience. How many th- people do you think were there? About 150 people? Yeah. That was my guess, about yep. 150 people. And when Tim Jones got up, he said, I think Bob Onder's running for lieutenant governor. And he said, whatever Bob is running for, my guess is with Lutkenmeyer going away and uh, Ann Wagner, I don't, you know, I don't want to start rumors, but I'm certainly hoping that she goes away or somebody at <laughs> least primaries or, or she would come in and ask what, answer questions. That would be fine. I would just like to, I think when people represent, uh, resent, res, represent you in Congress, they have a duty to answer questions. And some of these people don't like to answer questions for whatever reason, because I think they might. They don't like the answer. Well, they, yeah, it's easier to run and raise money and put your commercials out there. <laughs> but uh, what's the scoop here? Do you have a feeling that a couple of these people might be running for federal oh, office? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. And and I, I got the same exact thing. Now, I have not talked to these people yet, other than I know that they're obviously considering it, and they'd be fools not to. But uh, Senator Onder would certainly be a fantastic candidate and i just my own personal opinion and a, a logical choice yeah um just because of the district the work he's already done and he's proven himself you know we're talking about the freedom caucus and even off air here uh you're like i, I liked how you asked you're like okay yeah yeah, i, I get it I, yeah, right on yeah good for you is it real because that's the same dadgum question that i ask everybody asks that when when everything goes away cameras are gone and you're, you're not in the you know the, hey how you doing is it real like is this guy real is eric burleson real the congressman is that really him that's really him and i will i'll promise you this i'll never be associated with anything that isn't 100 percent authentic it's because i can't be a part of it i can't sleep at night Right. That's exactly right. And if you can't live with yourself, if you make these decisions and compromise, then at the end of the day, you will be judged. It may not be on this earth by your colleagues. You might skate free on that. But one day you will be judged. And that's what concerns me more. That's how you have to live your life. Uh, Well, I couldn't agree more. I kind of went through this awakening. Right. So. I um, always thought I was a great person. You know, in your own mind, you think you're doing the right things. I raised five kids. Nice. You know, it was a, it was a, uh, a marriage where we both came in with uh, kids of our own. And I actually raised another daughter. It's a whole situation behind that. But as I was doing it, I was so busy building my career. I was so self-involved and thinking I'm doing the right thing. You know, you got to, like you said, I have six miles to feed. I had five miles to feed. My ex-wife didn't work at the time and there was no buddy in my family was going to give me a nickel. So I got this big operation, got this big home, got the five kids going to private schools and doing all this stuff. At the same time, I'm driving a $6,000 Acura and everybody's like, Hey, who's in your parking? You know, who's in your garage and who's in your driveway over here? Whose car is that? That, that doesn't belong in the neighborhood. Like, well, that's my car because I like that car it's and I'm not, it's just not my thing. But I started to recognize after I got divorced, you know, you kind of self reflect and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I did a lot of things wrong. I, I was, I was too in your heart. You think you're invested in doing the right things. I got mouths to feed. I got bills to pay and it's, it's me. But as you start to go through the ladder of success, right, you, you, you start here and then you move up a couple steps and all of a sudden you're running the business, you start reading your own headlines and it becomes, it becomes who you are. Wow. And that happened to me. 
So when I got divorced and I got remarried and my, my new wife is a 10 times better person than me. Um, she's just better in every way. She's prettier. She's funnier. She's smarter. She's everything than me. And she gave me confidence just to be me. You know, just be you. You know, you don't, I'm not worried about whether you make a million dollars. I'm not, I'm not worried about any, I just want to be married to you and I want you to be happy. And that gave me the freedom and the, uh, gave me the time and the space to get right with God again because I, I've always been a spiritual person. You know, my father, he got sober January 14th, 1987. I was 17 years old. So as he got sober, he's working the steps of AA, which is a, you know, you, you sacrifice yourself to a yep. higher power. Yep. So as I'm going through the formative years, I'm starting to learn about spirituality. I'm starting to learn about God. And every time I would be in trouble, that's when I turn to God. I wasn't doing it on a daily basis. I wasn't saying, hey, you know, keep me on the straight and narrow. Don't let me get off track. And I did because I wasn't consistent with it. When I look at politicians nowadays, I'm looking for people that are on that page. I, I can't say that I, they need to be followers of any religion or whatever. Right. I just want people that have a, a moral backbone to understand that when you are serving people, which is a representative, that's the duty of the representative, is to serve people, that at some point you don't start reading your own press clippings and believing that you're something special when you walk through the room and you're shaking hands and you're not looking in people's eye, which is what I always say about Lindsey Graham. Yes, I met Lindsey Graham at a fundraiser for Josh Hawley, and he's a, he's he's slimier than most snakes when you meet him in person. He does not look you in the eye. He's very dismissive. He's very tiny, and he's got that little thing going on that I didn't like. I just didn't. I, I remember telling people, "Mike, well, there's something not right with Lindsey Graham. This Mm-mm. is not. This is not." And Josh Hawley, by which I got some questions about Josh Hawley too, but Josh Hawley seemed very together when I met him. He seems like a very sharp person. Point being, I want to find leadership within Missouri politics that can start to chip away at those people that have the right ideas. They want to do the right things. It's just they start reading their own press clippings. Yes. All that money comes into them. They start feeling just a little bigger and a little stronger and a little cooler than they really are. Yes. And they remember that their job, however long they're there, is to serve the citizens that need that, that, that need the help. Yes. One of my big things, and I'll be, this is what I want to ask you about because now I'm getting into my issues. I'm a big proponent of small business. I worked for a company called Clark's out of the uh, Clark's of England. It was Bostonian Shoes. It was a couple of shoe companies. And it was a privately owned, family owned business out of the UK. And I could not have been happier when I started that job. It felt like you were part of something. A guy named Bob Infantino was running it. Um, just a terrific leader, made everybody feel important. And it was the way I got an introduction into into small business. Now we built that business from I think when I started it was 16 million and when I left it was a half a half a billion. It was like 500 million dollars. Wow. So I got to watch all this growth and I got to watch it happen and then it got big and then it got sold and the whole thing. Then I went to work for Skechers. And nothing bad to say about Skechers. I have friends right now that are listening that work at Skechers corporately out of Manhattan um uh Manhattan Beach, California. But that was a corporate world. That was the stress and the pressure, yes. and you could lose your job at any minute. You're making a lot of money, but we can replace you. Skechers is bigger than any one person. And as I went through that process, and I also worked for Cole Han Shoes, same thing. This is out of this is out of New York City, and it was bought by a private equity company. And you're a number, and you make a lot of money, but yep. the plug can be pulled at any time. So what I started to recognize was I like life better, and I think life is better. When there's more small businesses and less corporations and less corporate influence on the people that work there, what is your sense of what goes on with small business? I think we make it way too hard for small business people to grow and have employees. 
I know small business owners that paid their employees before they paid themselves. Of they course. went broke because the fa- the people that worked for them were like family, yep. and they didn't have the heart to tell them business is tough. I'm not going to pay you. I got to get let you go. I got to cut your pay nap. They would not take money. Mm-hmm. They would use their savings to pay their bills, hoping that business would get better. That doesn't happen in corporations, no. and, and that's why it, we have to make the small business community stronger, um, and we have to make that easier for them to do business. What is your take on that? I'll go even deeper with you on this because uh, I I feel like. Small businesses are part of that DNA of America that can't, we can't lose it. If we lose it, we'll lose our soul. And I, and because people tend to think, um, if they don't know anything about this topic, they'll be like, oh, small businesses. Yeah. Good, uh, good for right. those guys. They have no clue. It is life. It, it is, it is the very DNA of the substance of the country because this is people's families. And, uh, my buddy started a little tree trimming business after storms came through. He was a carpenter by trade, right? So he, uh, big storms come through. He gets a, <laughs> he gets a you know, chainsaw and he starts helping people out. And there's a lot of work to be done. So he needs a little bit of help. He starts his own little company. This is America, by the way. Yes. Greek ancestry. His, his grandpa comes over from Greece, starts a carpentry company. You know, this is the whole nine yards. All the sons work there. Uh, this is my big fat Greek construction company. <laughs> and I, I love this because I grew up with this guy and love him. And he starts his little company and it's just, just tiny, tiny little, just going to cut some tree limbs, cut trees down. And he's kind of struggling with it. It's been a year or so. And, uh, I, I, I've tried kind of the, like the corporate thing, did some mortgage stuff. And I mean, I detest cubicles and I detest oh. the corporate world. I can't do it. I can't even. And I was terrible at it. I tried sales. I tried selling stuff because I thought, you know, people thought I'd be good at that. They're like, Oh, you'd be great. And I'm terrible at sales. So I'm like, okay, this, I got to find something. Well, I'll help him. So I'm helping him get this little small business off the ground. And we did the same thing, walking door to door with flyers. And he's like, it's a little tight. Um, we had some people working for us we're paying them first right not even we're not even hesitating about thinking about it because they're depending on me right right so that what is that at at its root what is it selflessness it's that spirit of selflessness that the nation is built on switch over now to corporate world it's even in my opinion this is called corporate tyranny this is where we get ESG, Vanguard, State Street. See where I'm going with this? Uh-huh, BlackRock, all that of it. BlackRock. This is tyranny, and this is these companies doing things that we disagree with. Let's insert Bud Light. Let's insert Disney. Let's insert Target. Culturally, why are they doing these things with so much power? Let's go with Google. Go with YouTube. Go with Facebook, Meta. Censoring Americans every single day because the government can't do it constitutionally that's called fascism <laughs> that is what justin has been listening to my show for years now yeah <laughs> i explained the same thing go ahead i'm sorry yeah, i just had this to is, throw a plug in there this is corporate fascism doing things that the government can't do because they're constitutionally limited and this is how we get guys the end of everything we hold dear and we're right there on that precipice right now I could not agree more. In fact, I talk about it on my show all the time. When COVID happened, it was a perfect example of of corporate tyranny. You don't have to work for that company. Oh, you don't? Okay, there's so many jobs out here. As you, as you shut down society, now I guess I'm going to leave my high-paying job or my even my medium-paying job to support my family because I don't want to get vaccinated, which I don't want to do. I'll just give you a real fast story. My wife is a nurse. She was on the COVID unit when this was all going down. And uh, when she got a, 
I, I'm not going to say the name of it. It's in Florida. But anyway, she gets a, um, information from her hospital association that at the time, this is after everybody was, the media was telling you get vaccinated, all of the medical officials, you got to get vaccinated. 42% of the community within the hospital, whether it be doctors, nurses, administrators, what have you, 42% had taken the vaccine willingly. So 42% with all the propaganda took it on their own. Then they said, if you don't have the vaccine by X amount of time, that you're fired. You got you to get the vaccine if you want to work here. Now, my wife got a religious exemption. Grace Church said, here's the wording. You get. This is the legal wording you have to That's use. That's my church. I did. Is it? Yeah, it's where I go. Awesome. Well, we've got to talk more. Okay. <laughs> Download it. I get it. I print it off. My wife takes it to her hospital association. And she gets a religious exemption. So when it all is done, she gets more information from her company. And 98% of the people had taken the vaccine because they were worried about losing their jobs. So from 42 to 98, that amount of people, my math is terrible, but that amount of people took the vaccines because they were worried about losing their jobs. And and the responsibility as a parent, when you're in that situation, I get it. I never hold anybody accountable that took it. I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, if you believed in it, great. Yeah, yeah. And if you d- had to take it just because you had to feed the, feed your family, I get that too. But that is a big number of people that were coerced, coerced into taking something, just like our military, that had to take these things because they they just didn't have any other place to go. And I just think that, that that's exactly how fascism works is that's right. the government puts it on to the corporations, the corporations mandate it down to their employees, and if you don't like it, beat it and... That's a real problem. So I don't the, like it. And so in the case of our military, and we see now uh, vaccine injuries, and now our military, some were forced to leave, and now they're being offered the ability to come right. back, right? See, we're we're now, we're rewriting history. This is called revisionist history, right? Now time has gone by, and people are injured, and people have seen what we went through, and the light bulbs are going off, people are waking up, and they kind of want accountability. And... Our government says, well, we didn't force you to do anything. Why? Because they had corporate America do it for them. That's exactly and right. And that is the key. Small business ruins that. Exactly. Just, it's the antidote, guys. A hundred percent. If if I went to, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. So my, uh, you know, my dad is 76 years old. My son is 30 years old. We are golf fans. We love golf. So I thought, you know what, my dad's getting to an age where I may not be able to go back. We wanted to do the British Open. I wanted to do that nice. for for the for my dad and my son. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go this year. This is before Tiger got hurt. I thought Tiger would be there and the whole thing. So we went over to the UK. Um, Hoy Lake is where they held the British Open this last year. And what I noticed about Hoy Lake when we went there, first of all, had an absolutely fabulous time. And the people in Hoy Lake were amazing. It's kind of this well-to-do upper middle class area. Uh, blue skies and no corporations. Every business that we went to was a local shop. And when you went in there, the cool. di- it's different, right? Oh, so yeah. when you walk in, everybody knows the people at the coffee shop. You go over here and you get some groceries and the people in the grocery store are telling you how to use the machines because we're from, you know, we're from, right. the, from the states and everybody's friendly. It's a different environment when you're shopping with your neighbor or you're shopping with somebody from your church or for somebody from school that you know. It's a different vibe than when yeah. you're walking in Walmart standing on dots with mask and visors on your face to get your food. It's a whole different ball game. And I just thought, as soon as I got back, it's always been an issue for me. I thought, how can I explain this to people? How important it is if you have a choice between shopping at Walmart, all Chinese goods, or shopping with a neighbor of yours, that you drive the extra five minutes, spend the extra dollar if you can, and shop with 
people that you know, people that are in your community. It will make a better life for you and your family if you just have worked in it and understand it. Gosh, you're just you're touching into something that's so important and nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about this. Nobody goes deep into the fact of making a human connection and what we're losing in our country right now. That is exactly what it is. It's when you see John at Deerberg's or at, in our Deerberg's, it's Janet. She's always there at the self checkout and we're always in the, she sees us there because we have six kids. So we go to Deerberg's three times a day, you know, because we don't ever get every grocery we need and we drink 18 gallons of milk with five boys. So, you know, <laughs> you make this human connection of, Hey, Janet. Where are you from? What's your story? We and you and you interact each time. There's a there's a centering effect of you're making a connection with somebody else, and then what what do you notice about her or him or whoever you're interacting with? You'll notice if they're off, if something's troubling with them, and maybe even in one of those interactions they confide in you. You have this ability to sow into somebody's life, and you may never see what it reaps later on down the road, but you have this opportunity to sow into their soul and you get something in return for that too absolutely that's the thing the one of the keys to life in my personal opinion and this is what i'm starting to find out as i'm practicing it on a daily basis is if you make other lives around you better your life in turn gets better and a lot of people don't understand that that formula that chemistry that divine inspiration whatever it is but if you can just settle down for a minute on a daily basis and say how do i serve somebody else You'll find out that that energy comes back tenfold to you. So it can be self-serving if you want. doesn't matter. But being kind to people, having connections with people, staying off your phone for just a minute and talking to people uh, makes for a better world, makes for a better life, makes for better everything. And I certainly wish, without being hokey, like you said earlier, that people would start to think about that before it gets too late. I agree. Right on, my man. Thank you so much for making the time to come in here. I'm a big fan of yours, and I've only met you one time, but we were on the phone yesterday. I wish you all the best, and the uh, I hope the Freedom Caucus uh, gets you. his legs underneath and to it. You. I hope it happens. And congratulations on your brand new show. I appreciate it, man. That is Justin Sparks, the man. you got to see this guy. He's a stud if you haven't seen him. Pretty wife, beautiful family. Justin Sparks, everybody. We'll be right back. i got some headlines of the weekend. Hopefully, Ken Williams will come in. And talk a little politics with us. We'll be right back. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. If you're just joining us, my name is Rob Carter, filling in for Colombo and Katie. And we just had a two-segment conversation with Rep. Justin Sparks. I tell everybody in politics that I do not endorse anybody. I just don't think you can endorse people if you're trying to stay objective. Same thing he said about politics. You go down there, everybody starts shaking your hand and winking at you, and you can get yourself off track in a big hurry. But I will say this about Justin Sparks and about several of these people that I want to talk through here in just a minute. Justin Sparks, when you meet him, you can just feel the decency in the guy. Six kids, beautiful family. I was looking at him, I thought, wow, what a great looking family. I always thought I had a great looking family and he's got one more kid than me. So he beats me by one, but just a, a very authentic, kind, uh, decent guy. When you meet him, I wanted him to come in and talk about the freedom caucus. He said, absolutely. Now every politician should take advantage of that because when you want to get your message out, you take advantage of it. You're trying to change things, trying to make them better. So you should take advantage of any opportunity you have to spread your message. 
So I'm a fan already of Justin Sparks. I hope he comes on as a regular. I like to see what's going on with these people that are new to the system. He's been at it for just a short amount of time, and he got to see what goes down in Jeff City. And he shares some of my thought process on business and politics because he's right. You know, you get down there, and if you're new to politics, if you're a new representative, a new senator, and something sparked you, you saw something that you didn't like, and you wanted to make a change, you know, as an outsider, right away, when you get into the arena, that there's going to be some shady folks at your doorstep. Got to be aware of it. Got to be able to recognize it if you can. But the number one thing you got to do is be true to your constituents. You just have to do that. You cannot get off track and say, well, I had to mess them up here so I could get it done here, which is the way politics is described to the voting populace. They believe that you have to go along to get along. And you don't necessarily have to do that. Let me explain again, because I didn't get into it in depth earlier. When you're in positions of leadership, and this is kind of my thing, I studied leadership, I studied great coaches, like I said before, I coach baseball, and I'm like most of you out there, when I get into something, I want to be good at it, certainly don't want to fail, not a big fan of failure, although I know it's going to happen eventually, but when you get into leadership, you have to inspire the people around you. That has to be job number one. You cannot be a great politician If you don't have the confidence of the people around you, and that means the staff, and that means the people voting, family, friends, they have to have confidence in you. And the way you gain confidence is through achievement, through staying on course, to continually do the right thing despite what it means to you personally. It takes bravery to get into office and do it right. And you know, if you're listening to me, that a lot of people that go into politics go in for one reason. It becomes a business for them. And don't you want a radio station like News Talk STL to be the media outlet that holds people accountable for their votes? To remember what they said when they gained your vote and hold them accountable when they go against it. Because most people do not have the time nor the energy or the patience to keep up with all of the narratives, all of the stories, all of the information that is out. They just can't do it. So you'll need a media that works, that does the tough stuff, that shakes the hands of people they've criticized. To be thoughtful when you're in front of people that you don't like. Because the game is not to destroy your enemy. The game is to make the citizens put pressure on their congresspeople, their senators, to stay on track. That can only happen with an informed and persistent voter base. And that can only happen if the elections are on the up and up. I'm going to talk about it till I'm blue in the face. I'm very concerned both nationally and in the state of Missouri 
that we don't have a voting system. We always have just enough excuses to where it can be manipulated. Why in the world would we have voting machines and tabulators in Missouri? It makes absolutely no sense. There's no reason for it at all. Argentina just voted with hand ballots. And I can't imagine that we can't do anything that Argentina can't do because it's just states. The states are voting. It's not the whole country, just each state individually with their votes. So when I hear people talk around the edges with the election system, election integrity, turns me off. I don't like it. It needs to be the most important thing for people to understand is that the voting system is compromised. That does not mean all elections are being stolen. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is they can be stolen. And when you have enough money, you can get a lot of things done. So the voting system in Missouri needs to be changed. It needs to be updated. And it needs to be updated today. Not in 2028. Not in 2026. We have one of the most important election Important elections in in our lifetime coming up. And I know they say that every four years, but you know it. You feel it. There's something weird going on around the country. And we can fix it if we do the right things, if we focus on the right things and we don't get distracted. There's all kinds of social issues that need to be addressed. There's all kinds of financial issues that, we, that need to be addressed. Educational issues that need to be addressed. Illegal immigration needs to be addressed. But you can't fix it if you can't elect people who will get the job done. You can't do it. We have a super majority of Republicans in Jefferson City. And we are still teaching racism to our kids in many of the schools. I got to hear a lot of people speak at that Freedom Caucus. And one lady, I think it was Jill Carter. If I'm not mistaken, uh, she said she got into the political arena because she didn't like what was going on in the education system, that teachers were actually influencing kids to have transition surgery, to go from boy to girl or girl to boy. Now, these are kids like you're, you know, like it's willy nilly, not a big deal. And if you would have said this 20 years ago, people would have thought you'd lost your marbles. It was insane to even consider that that would be going on in our schools, but it is because there's a lot of money behind it. And once you teach it, once you indoctrinate a generation, it can stick. Crazy things can stick. Look through history. Look at all the crazy things. Look at the Salem witch trials, if you will. You can convince people of crazy things if it's taught. And we got to be aware of that. And we got to start changing things. And you have to change it. Priorities first. Election systems. Because if I know that we voted for anything that I don't like, I'm okay with it. As long as the people around me voted for something and they won the debate. They won the argument. They get to win the day. But I'm very skeptical that everything is on the up and up. All the way through. Top to bottom. Dog catcher to governor. I'm skeptical. And I know that everybody that I talk to is skeptical. I do kind of these man on the street things when I'm by myself. I'll pull out my phone and I'll ask somebody, hey, I got a quick question. I'm on a radio show just trying to get a quick answer from me. It's somebody that I might have met in the store. What do you think about our election systems? Do you think they could possibly be rigged? And almost every single one of them says yes. Well, I mean, how can you have confidence in what you're doing when the citizens that are voting don't believe that the system is fair? 
It's crazy. We'll get into more of this, and then I have some clips that I want to play for you on worldwide politics, national politics, when we get back. Stick around. My name is Rob Carter. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.